0: Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and you can find us on Facebook at the wonderful world of Wine. wine. Hello and welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim and Mark, and every week we bring you this show on Franklin Radio, WFPR, and also our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we are extremely excited to announce to all of you that this is our 200th episode. So it feels like I don't know like we should have a little party or something but Mark congratulations I you know yes. this was your brainchild to, to do this radio show on Franklin Radio and now 200 episodes later we're still at it
1: we're still going Kim thank you very much for taking this uh, journey with me and to our listeners for putting up with us every week. And geez, we have so many people. Uh, It's like we didn't win an award here, but uh, (laughs) we're supported very nicely by uh, Pete and uh, Keith at the Franklin Radio Station, always helping us out. It's been a wild ride. We we had this idea. I I remember the day saying to you, Kim, what do you think about this? I have this idea. And, And I think you had to think it over because you probably thought I was really crazy at the time or work it in your schedule. But uh, it's been I like, fun. I
0: like to give some things some thought before I yeah. <laughs> agree to those. And I'm me. glad I did think it over because now it's been, what, three years, three and a half years, years, something like that?
1: Four years. Do, four do you, years. Do you remember episode one was four years ago? Do you remember what we talked about in our first show? I don't. What did we talk about? We had a 14-minute show. Oh, did it? Covered, yeah. <laughs> and we covered uh, blue wine, wine and health, and how to uh, make a bottle last longer. Or wow. how long it should be kept out. We So we did three things. Now we can't get through one without talking so much.
0: No uh, kidding. Uh, so we topic. started with a bang and blue wine. So blue everybody wine. got like the full dose of my disdain for blue wine, like right off the bat. Everybody knows exactly who they're dealing with now. (laughs) A
1: trend right away. So, I mean, and it was fun to look back on what it was. And then at the time we presented the idea to the radio station, we had to give kind of short little things. So that was our first. And I find it funny. I always, you know, me with my Google searches, when we first started the show, you would Google it and be on the bottom of the first page, second page. Now, if people Google the show, it, we're pretty much conquering the first page. So that tells a lot about the growth of the show and nice. everything we've done as far as, you know, initially it was the Facebook page and we always push that every week. That's how you can message us. And we put all our uh, articles we talk about on there. And then we ended up with a Twitter page. That's at Wine Education. Then we went on Instagram, The Wonderful World of Wine. The podcast page is on SoundCloud, but that feed is picked up on, on Google, on iTunes. It's just amazing how the podcast thing works. And we're just lucky to take the content from this show and put it out on a podcast. So it's So what's great. your
0: favorite thing that we've been doing on the show?
1: I just like talking about wine. I hope our mm-hmm. listeners like it every week that we're here to talk about wine. I didn't think... Uh, you know, when I look back, we were talking 200 shows. It seems like when I edit one and when we do it and it just seems like it's just the last show, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem like we've done that many because it's just so enjoyable to talk about, Yeah, about wine and bring guests on. We have to thank guests we've had. We had a great guest last week and people are very receptive to wanting to talk about wine. So, you know, we I love our I, I
0: love our interviews and the guests that we've brought on. I feel like that brings such a dose of new energy. It, you know, not that we're lacking in energy, but you know, just something a little bit different than just talking about current events and trends in the wine world. When we can talk to other people who are just as into it as we are, and bring them to the ears of our listeners, I really love that there are so many of us out there that. Even if we don't know each other personally, we can get on the call and start recording a show and just we instantly have all this stuff to talk about, even though we might have never spoken before or we didn't plan anything out. Just we get on there and we just talk. And I feel like we've got all these people that we're sort of instantly simpatico with. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it really tells you something about this industry, that there are just so many really awesome people who just love it for the joy of tasting and learning and talking about it with each other. Even if we don't necessarily have the same glass of wine in front of us, we can just talk and give our opinions and debate sometimes, but at the end of the day, just really bring a little bit of insight into what we do and what is out there for our listeners. So hopefully you- uh, listener out there has really gotten something out of our show and something out of our interviews and that we bring a little bit of value to you and that you become a better wine consumer because of us.
1: And Kim and I share so much content every week from, the, I mean, we're lucky that the the wine world is always something trending, always something controversial always things about food. I mean, it's just amazing the content and we actually have a huge list of topics and it's some weeks it's hard to pick what we want to do. So we hope mm-hmm. the listeners are kind of excited when they tune in to see, you know, what are we going to talk about this week or who we're going to have. And we were lucky, Kim, the last, I don't know if the listeners, we talked about it a few times, but the last two out of the last three years, we submitted our show for a podcast award and got nominated which you have to get to the nomination to 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 win the award and we were nominated two out of last three years for education and for leisure so we're we're putting in again this year so hopefully our listeners will uh support and vote us to get nominated again very exciting fingers crossed so kim had an idea for the 200 show you want to tell our listeners what the idea is kim
0: so i wanted to give our top 10 wine tips, five from Mark and five from myself. And we didn't talk about it ahead of time. So I'm going to assume there's some overlap, but sometimes I'm surprised (laughs) that Mark and I come at these things from different perspectives often. And sometimes we surprise ourselves by always being on the same page. And then other times we surprise ourselves by coming at it from different angles and different perspectives and having completely different things to talk about. So I wanted to do a top 10 wine tips from Kim and Mark over things that we have garnered over the umpteen years of our careers and of our uh, love for wine and our four years of doing this show and uh, just sort of repeat those, th- those things to you, our listeners, to get them fresh in your mind.
1: I like the idea. I just, I, I, even if we overlap, I'm sure there's different views on those subjects. So, totally. We'll see. So, why don't you go first, Kim? What's your okay. first tip?
0: So, mine are not in any particular order. They're just what popped into my head as things that I think are very valuable for wine consumers to know, whether you know a lot or whether you don't know anything at all about wine, but you enjoy it and you want to get the most out of your enjoyment. So my first one is about, probably to the surprise of nobody, food and wine pairings. So it's my number one tip for food and wine pairings. It's all about matching the weight of the food and the wine to each other to make a a nice pairing. So it's not about red wine with red meat or white wine with white meat, or I like to go pink wine with pink meat, but it's about weight and it's about balance. So if you have a heavier food, go with a heavier wine. If you have a lighter food, go with a lighter wine. And some examples of that, you know, we have the classic steak with Cabernet or Syrah or Malbec, any of those big, powerful reds. We have that classic pairing of lamb with Cabernet and Easter will be here in a few weeks. And a lot of people do roast lamb for Easter. So Easter lamb with Cabernet, you know, that is a classic, classic pairing, but then you can kind of break the rules a little bit and work with that weight idea, as opposed to saying, oh, I, I only can do this particular protein with this particular type of wine. So I do a lot of heavier fish dishes with red wines, lighter red wines, like Pinot Noir with tuna. But then you can also do light reds with white meat, or you can do heavier whites with those either pink proteins, or you can do pork, you can do a pork roast with a nice Chardonnay, swordfish with Chardonnay. So it's sort of like, just look at the spectrum, you know, look at the weight of all of what is on your plate, and the weight of your wines and match accordingly.
1: Well, you this will surprise you, Kim. I'm gonna tell you right now, none of my tips had anything to do with food and wine pairings. So I'm
0: so surprised. I'm flabbergasted. See? That none of your tips had to do with food and wine pairings. No,
1: nothing. Nothing food. Because you're and wine such an based.
0: experimental eater, you know? I mean, you're always out there trying new stuff.
1: Sorry yeah, we've always <laughs> I don't talked, mean to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not adventurous. I have been a little bit more, especially when I pair with with wine. Mm. But we talked a little bit about this last week and how a lot of people will say, I like this wine, so I'm gonna pair it whatever I want to pair it with. And our guests at the time said, you know, don't do it that way. Uh, there are certain rules you should follow, blah, blah blah. But I think on your whole summary I take from you is that there is a whole science to what you should be doing. And you should follow some of Kim's tips and you'll enjoy it more if you really do follow those guidelines. So good first tip, yeah.
0: Yeah. What's your first tip, Mark?
1: I didn't know what direction you're gonna go. So I kind of, you know, I was thinking things recently that I think I wanted people to know about and the first one was, please don't listen to Miles. Now, people are thinking, who is Miles, right? The the Sideways movie, Kim, Miles.
0: <laughs> that Miles. The,
1: that yes. Miles from Sideways movie who said, don't drink any Merlot, right? The stinking Merlot. He was all about the Pinot Noir. And I think people really need to explore Merlot a lot more. And for a few reasons, a lot of times especially California, I'm talking right now, the Merlot from California is usually 100% of the Merlot grape. And many times it's much heavier than Cabernet and much better fruit than Cab- than Cabernet uh-huh. from California and a way better value recently than Cabernet. So a lot of producers will make Cab and Merlot and then Merlot is usually a couple dollars cheaper on the shelf And it's made a little better, I think. And the big point I have to get across on Merlot is right now, most of the stuff you see from Bordeaux is based on more Merlot than I've Mm -hmm. ever seen. Less cab, more Merlot. And they're tasting great and they're great value. But my first tip is don't listen to Miles and explore more Merlot.
0: I'm so glad you brought this up. Because this topic has come at me from a number of different angles lately. So I don't know if it's that we're being bombarded with the same information or that this is just something that is sort of coming around into our understanding. But you are absolutely right on so many points. But the first one is that when you get a a California Merlot versus a California Cabernet, you really do get more of the essence of the fruit itself, like one of my my big problems with California cabs is that oftentimes they are so overly oaked that you are just getting the flavor of the oak barrel. And this is a criticism of a lot of California Chardonnays that we have seen for years and years and years. And I think that it also holds true for California cabs is that there's this style of very vanilla, very spicy, very creamy. You get all of these flavors that are imparted from the oak barrel, and you're really missing out on the beautiful fruit flavors of that grape. And you get it when you have a bottle of Merlot from California. Yes, they will often age them in some oak, but overall, you're really able to appreciate the the flavor of the grape variety. It shines through a little bit better in the winemaking. And I think that that is a really, really great point. You know, if you want a really nice red from California, and you're just not crazy about all that oak. Merlot is totally the way to go. That is absolutely true. And to your second point about most, at least at least most under thirty dollar bottles of Bordeaux these days are primarily Merlot. And I'm finding that because you know I need to be buying wine and looking at what, what is the blend in there? Is it mostly Merlot? Is it mostly Cabernet? How much Cabernet Franc is in here for the classes that we teach? And I really need to pay attention to what is the balance of those grape varieties. And I'm really finding it's like Merlot, 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 Merlot. I'm like, oh my goodness, where's the Cabernet? Like I need, I need one that's predominantly Cabernet just to show some difference. But yeah, Merlot is kind of king at the moment. And I think a lot of people still have this idea that it's a you know, it's sort of a, a secondary. You know, it's the inferior grape of that pear. And I really don't think it is. I think that it really works with how people, what people are looking for as far as the fruity flavor in their wine. So I think that this is not a recommendation that would have immediately popped on my mind, but I think it is super smart. Absolutely.
1: A lot of the value priced Bordeaux are unoaked. So you get real good fruit with them. And they're not that earthy style Bordeaux's. And like you were saying on the cab, a lot of times when I'm looking at Bordeaux's, I'll look for the blend. And very rarely do you see anything over 50% cab nowadays. Mm -hmm. So Even
0: for things that are going for like $60 a bottle on the shelf, a lot of them will be maybe you're at 45% Cabernet. And then the rest of the blend is made up by Merlot and Cabernet Franc. But it's very, very rare to find mostly cab based Bordeaux out there these days. So what's
1: your next tip, Ken?
0: So my next tip is wines that are white wines, rosé wines, or red wines under $20 don't need to be aged. And we often will talk about what is this whole thing about fine wines require aging and all that. So I really like to go kind of the opposite and be like, okay, these are the wines that you do not need to be concerned about aging. So my rule of thumb is if it's under $20 a bottle for everything, or if it is the vast majority of red wines, pink wines, and sparkling wines, we'll throw that in there as well. Don't worry that by opening up that bottle the day that you bought it, that you are somehow getting an inferior bottle of wine, that it will somehow taste better in three years if you lay it down. Don't worry about it. Drink that bottle of wine right now.
1: Enjoy it now.
0: Enjoy it now.
1: Yeah, we've talked many times on most of the things produced in that price point. You should be drinking them right away and don't put them down. And So, yeah, it's a good tip. Love that tip. Yeah, this, I mean, there's probably someone's probably saying there's something out there that would in that under that that style of wine that would age. But oh, yeah, it, it's small percentage.
0: I suppose I could have put up as one of my tips that all of the things that we talk about, there are always exceptions like to everything. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. always exactly. an exception to the yeah. rule. Of course. Of course. Just like yeah. just like everything.
1: And what's your next one? I want to talk about California wine drinkers. And this is you people out there. We are Who all about California. Stay with you, yeah. huh? Well, it's, it's, it's been on my mind lately. Okay. If you're California drinking wine California wines, start looking north. North of California. Oregon, Washington, Canada, Idaho. Move north. A lot of things lately. And I know you taste a lot of wines, Kim. I'm just so... They have issues in California lately. Climate, fires, weather, bad vintages. And I just am so discouraged about what I've been tasting lately. But when I've tasted Washington, Oregon, it's just, to me, been tasting much better. It may have be due to climate and they weren't affected by certain things. But look north and really start looking at the value of Cabernet from Washington versus California right now. And you'll be surprised. A lot of time when people are shopping, they only want California cabs or look north that's you
0: mentioned Idaho
1: yeah I mean well it Talk shares about that it shares Appalachian with Oregon right on the border there so a lot of times you get something from Oregon it could be Idaho fruit in there so hmm. yeah everything the climate is changing things are shifting up you know and uh, it's better growing conditions now and things are just turning out great so that's it that's the tip all right You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. For more information about Kim, please visit her website at CommonwealthWineSchool.com. For more information about myself, please go to FranklinLiquors.com. You can find all our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Every week, we're happy to be with you on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. And if any questions or comments, please find us on Facebook. It's our 200th show today and Kim and I are talking about our top tips. And it's your turn, Kim. What's your next tip?
0: So my next tip is more for you beginner, beginner, not beginner wine drinkers, but you know, maybe you've just caught the wine bug. Maybe you like wine and and have liked wine for a while, but you've only just now decided, huh, maybe I need to know a little bit more about it. And I'm starting to become fascinated with this whole world of wine that's out there. To get you on your path of learning about wine I would say that a great place to start is to learn a few basic grape varieties, a few basic styles and a few basic iconic regions and get to know those. It will make you way more comfortable in a store. It'll make you much more comfortable perusing a wine list. And then you'll be able to jump off of those styles and find other things as you experiment and as you leave your comfort zone to find some other new things that you're going to love. An example of this. Let's see. So you want to know what the basic wine grapes taste like. Get yourself a bottle of Cabernet, bottle of Chardonnay, a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, a bottle of Riesling, both dry and sweet so that you can compare them and just get to understand what it is about those wines and their particular flavors. And what is it about this grape variety that makes it special? And then start exploring some regions. Try a Chianti, try a Bordeaux, try a Sancerre. And it doesn't have to be everything. Find five of those iconic regions, taste them, see if you like them or not. And if you like them, then there are all of these directions that you can go in. But knowing just a little bit about, I know what Sancerre tastes like. I know what Chianti Classico tastes like. I know what real champagne tastes like. No, we're not talking about Andre. We're talking about Tattinger. We're talking about Moet Chandon. We're talking about all those other biggies who are actually based in the region of Champagne in France. So even just having a half a dozen of those under your belt, you're going to know so much more and you're going to be able to communicate with people who you are buying wine from and you'll be able to find some new things that you're going to love and explore and you'll be really able to kick your wine appreciation off that way.
1: Taste, taste, taste. We say it taste, all taste, the time. Taste, taste, taste. Absolutely. The more you taste, the more you explore, the more you're going to learn what your palate likes and be able to translate that to store owners or restaurant uh, people to purchase your wines and you become a much better shopper for wine. Mm-hmm. So,
0: And at the end of the day, it's actually going to help your pocketbook. You know, it's going to help your wallet because when you find that there are these new things that you like that maybe not everybody else is buying, they might be cheaper. (laughs) It might not cost you $20 a bottle. It might cost you $12 a bottle and be just as delicious as that wine that has a famous name. So you're going to be helping yourself. (laughs) And there I feel like, I mean, maybe this is just the frugal frugal Yankee in me, but I feel like there's nothing better than finding something of real value that costs less (laughs) than something that you could spend more money on and that you don't get as much enjoyment out of, or as frankly, isn't as good quality. So go frugal Yankees and make your dollar work and find some really great things to enjoy that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg.
1: Right. Try different things. That's Bottom right. line.
0: What's your next one?
1: I want to talk about location, 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 Kim. This every, is
0: because of Vince last week, isn't it?
1: Well, pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, buddy, I, I always talk about this where every wine tells you where it is from, but people just don't pay attention to that location that's on the bottle. So learn where the wine is from that you're drinking and think about i've talked in past shows about the circle of, of the wine does it say mm-hmm. usa does it say then a state california the, the, then does it say a region like Napa? and then does it say like a vineyard so when that region or the location gets smaller and smaller and smaller it tends to be better quality and better for you so Pay more attention to where it's from and learn what is in that wine. Big thing is the location. And I think uh, once you learn the location, then you can move on and learn regions and their styles from different regions of grapes. So like you said on your point about people starting out in wine, location matters. And we learned that, like you said, from our guest last week. But (laughs) pay attention to it, please. Simple tip.
0: Yeah, simple tip. Location. you know, we talk about grape varieties, but we also talk about those places and place matters when it, when it comes
1: on. Yeah. And just, just to learn where that place is, do a little research about it and learn, take a moment. You're putting money towards a product. You got to know Mm -hmm. where it's from. That's come up recently a lot with the the whole Russia thing, right? Uh, Yes. What's next for you, Kim?
0: So my next one is don't be afraid. And that's kind of broad, but. It means don't be afraid to ask questions, even if you feel like they are dumb questions or really beginner questions, because I have found that when people who are truly interested in learning about wine step back and really think about it, you reflect upon those things that you think are just common sense about wine. But then once you give them some thought, you're like, well, wait, wait, what if I don't really know the answer to this? What if I've been thinking about it in one way and it's actually a different way? And that's, I feel like when people really have those aha moments, as I like to call them, or the light bulb goes off, when you can really think deeply about what you're drinking, your appreciation for it and the pleasure that you get from it really increases. So something like I I like to tell people that when I'm teaching a class and I have a student in the class who's like, wait, you're talking about this is like tastes like cherries and strawberries. Does that mean there's cherries and strawberries in the wine? And whenever I get that question from somebody in a class, I'm like, aha, you're thinking about it in a different way now. Like now you're actually analyzing, oh, what does this all mean? So I love when somebody has that question because I'm like, you have just gone from wine novice to real like wine interested person. So I like when people make themselves vulnerable to ask those questions that maybe you would think are a little bit ridiculous, but I feel like that's where the real learning starts. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. But the caveat here is who do you ask those questions of? So there also has to be some trust of the person that you are sort of opening yourself up to. So that is kind of my second part of this piece of advice is find somebody that you are comfortable asking those questions of. And that's why it's really important that you either have a friend. That you taste wine with who is wine knowledgeable and and answer those questions in a way that doesn't make you feel like don't know anything or a wine shop or a, a restaurant that you are a regular at where you you know you have a favorite server and they know something about wine and you can have an actual real conversation about it and mark you're the perfect example of someone with a retail store who is great at answering those questions because just like me you get excited to hear those questions from people cuz you're like, "Oh yeah, you like we can have a real good conversation now and we both love to direct people towards things that will answer their questions and that we know that they'll get enjoyment of." So, don't be afraid and a lot of people are are very afraid to try new foods, new wines, new experiences. I think it's just a human thing and I don't know what it is about this I think, reticence that people have about having these new experiences, but there's something sort of scary about them. And wine has this baggage about, oh, if I ask about it and I don't have the right question, I'm going to be completely disregarded because there wine wine is this like fancy thing. But ask those questions of somebody that you trust and you will learn so much and you will get so much insight And as long as you taste along with the questions, try something you've never had before. Like, yes, it's scary, but go for it. Like the only thing that you have at risk is a sip of liquid. (laughs) Like, It's not going to kill you. You might not like it, but that now, you know. So try and question and don't be afraid.
1: Let's face it. Wine can be intimidating. It can be geeky. And people do get nervous to ask questions thinking it's something's wrong with the question. There is no wrong, just like there's really no bad wine to us. It's just not our style. So it might not be your style. How are you going to ask the question or, but don't be intimidated by it. There's so much information out there about wine. we will always, if we don't know the answer, we'll research and find the answer. And every day Kim and I are always learning new things about wine so yeah, good advice, Kim.
0: Another one from you. Let's see. Let's talk
1: about learning inexpensive, not cheap, versus <laughs> expensive wines. And I hear oh, this, this is a
0: great one. A
1: lot that people say, it doesn't matter to me. I'll drink a five-dollar bottle if it's five or twenty. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen. It does. Price point does matter. There are differences. So. Try exploring, like Kim was saying earlier, exploring wine. Also explore price points. Compare a $10 to a $15 bottle, a $15 to a $20, a $20 to a $30. You know, I know times you know, budgets are issues with that, but you have to compare those price points to see, taste the difference of what's going on, and then research those wines and see why is this $10? Why is it $20? What are they doing to it? to add to the cost. And I think people would be surprised if they start exploring inexpensive versus expensive. Expensive to Kim and expensive to me, it could be two different things. But Mm -hmm. I guess I'll say anything under $10 in the wine world is inexpensive. Not cheap, inexpensive. So explore something out of your price point right now and see what the difference is. You might not like it, and then you know your price point you, of what you like, but you have to explore and give it a try. Next for you, Kim.
0: So my final one, this is number five. To the surprise of nobody, when all else fails, pick a bottle of bubbly. There you go. Sure. Because it goes short. with everything. Yeah. I have a very rarely have I ever found food that does not go with sparkling wine. And I feel like bubbles just make everything better and they lighten the mood and they make everything a party. And some people don't like it, and I understand that, and some people have maybe like a headachey reaction to it. but overall, when in doubt,
1: bubbles and then again, price point. there are inexpensive true. bubbly true true. and there's expensive bubbly. and to explore it, you can you don't have to spend a million dollars to explore bubbly. and Kim is the bubbly queen, so I figured you were gonna have something about it. course,
0: I had to have something. bubbly
1: in there. Do you think people are maybe intimidated by bubbly because of the? pressure behind it or are they nervous to open it?
0: I think that there might be intimidation behind champagne, French champagne, because of the price tag. But I would say that in the last 10 years, when so many people have jumped on board the Prosecco train, that Prosecco has really helped alleviate the stress behind buying sparkling wine. People can poo-poo, Prosecco, all they want about it being inferior to champagne and blah, 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 blah. I feel like it has introduced good quality, decent quality, everyday drinking of sparkling wine to the masses. And I am thrilled that that is a thing. Yeah.
1: And Prosecco, I'm glad you brought that up because that is probably the best example of how you can explore inexpensive and expensive because for mm-hmm. Prosecco, it's 10 versus 20. That's it. I mean, right. you can go 40 if you want, but there, just taste the difference between a $10 bottle of Prosecco and a $20 bottle.
0: I would much rather that someone spend $10 on a bottle of Prosecco, which sets still inexpensive for Prosecco, but still, I feel like the quality is so much better than if you were to get an, a very inexpensive, say, California mass produced, probably carbonated, like Coca-Cola kind of thing, like you get the least expensive of the least expensive at somebody's wedding. Those bottles probably cost within a couple of dollars of each other. So go for the bottle of Prosecco. The quality is going to be so much better. And I feel like consumers just, it tastes better. Honestly, at the end of the day, it just tastes better.
1: Yeah. Good example there. I did Again, five. Time. Well, I have two left. My, okay. My next Give me some one more. Is- is to learn big versus small. And Kim's probably saying, oh, geez, again, on this big versus small thing.
0: Nope, you go for it. I did broad. You're doing very granular. So (laughs) go go for it. We
1: talk about (laughs) it a lot in this show. and, And when people are learning wine, please learn. What's a big brand? what's a small brand or what's a small farmer or winery versus a big corporation? And we talk about the 90% of the product out there is big brand products. So the movement supporting small or shopping small, you have to learn who's big and who's small. And not only learn the big and small, but if there's a story behind it, chances are it's a small winery or a small brand out there. If there's no story, it's just a brand. It's just a corporation. There's there's nothing exciting behind it. And I think you will find it's more enjoyable when you're sharing a bottle with someone and you're telling them the story behind the bottle. And especially people that are starting to get into wine, more about there's well there's no story on big brand why the foot is on the bottle. You know there's there's nothing. It's marketing. There's a story when a guy puts his wife's name on the bottle. Why is that there and stuff like right. that? So
0: it's like, big, why is this wine named after your great grandmother? You know, as opposed to something, right. kind right?
1: Of or hokey. it's named after a vineyard or something special to it. And uh, I'm just very passionate about that lately. And and more and more as the years go on, it's harder and harder to find those stories. So hopefully our listeners can. And relate to that a little bit, Kim. Mm-hmm. My last thing was shelf talkers. When you shop for wine and you see this on restaurant lists sometimes where they put some little notes on there, just be careful that what you're seeing promoting the wine is actually the wine that you're buying or you're drinking. There's issues with, again, like big brands, they're mass marketed promotions on wine versus a small. Is it something that's Mass produced shelf talker, or is it a handwritten note someone's writing on the wine? It, it makes a difference because it could be the totally wrong vintage, or you'll see it's a rating. It's not even talking about that bottle you're looking at. So please be careful. There's a lot of tricks out there of people promoting a wine when it's not even the wine. I know, Kim, you probably see this when you purchase wine you order something and you get something totally different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in the wine world will say, it doesn't matter, it's this company, it's the same grape.
0: Right. Or it's just marketing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't
1: matter. And I can never forget to this day, I had a salesperson say that to me. Oh, you're one of those guys that looks at this or that. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you're going to spend your money on a product like any other product, Make sure what you're getting is what you are told you're getting, you Mm -hmm. know? So that's my last tip. And That's not where I
0: thought you were going with that comment, but I'm so glad you brought that up because it is something that can be, I think, used to manipulate the consumer because sometimes there's that lack of knowledge and lack of information on the consumer's part. You as everyday wine drinker don't have the time to be necessarily researching this particular wine or making sure that what is one vintage versus another vintage and, oh, is this one significantly better than this other one? So you're trusting that person that you're, or that store that you're buying your wines from to be upfront about, yes, the descriptions that we have put in front of this wine are the real deal. And oftentimes you might buy a wine and then you look at the vintage and you look at the description that might be four years out of date. So they're really not talking about the same wine that you might now have in your hand. So I would not have thought about talking about that, but that's it, a really, really good piece of advice.
1: That gets back to your whole thing about learning about people are just getting into wine, learning about wine and trust mm-hmm. the person telling you about the wine. It's the same thing here, Kim. You have to trust.
0: That trust issue, what absolutely. people are
1: telling you. You know, these companies that will support big brands they're promoting. It's all about putting these bright notes on the wine. Buy me. Great. You have to say a little bit more, you know, show what people, what is really going on with this wine? Is it truth that you're Mm -hmm. putting out there marketing the wine? So.
0: And it's, you know, sometimes it's really hard on the consumer's part to know like, okay, who's the conscientious person or store owner, or who's doing the right thing. I know that when I write winery, you know, wine descriptions for clients. I want to make sure that I'm telling the truth, but not everybody
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: is, is working like that. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you never you never really off, know, I guess.
1: I held off on the whole watch out for the pricing thing, but mm-hmm. that's another whole tip we could do a whole show on that. So, but this was fun. I hope we can do another 200 camera. Yeah. Least we're, Get together for the 300th show. Again.
0: <laughs> we should probably get together soon because we're still uh, recording from our own recording studios and uh, and maybe it's high time to start uh, getting back in person and doing these again. So that
1: means we'll drink more. We'll be drinking together again.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. And we're really excited that you were able to join us today for our 200th episode of the show. You can find us, as always, on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine and past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, and every week on Franklin Radio 102.9 WFPR. Cheers. Wine, wine, wine.